Dawn and Steve in the morning. Welcome, Dr. Michael Rydelnik, who is with us for Bible Q&A. So get those questions in right now by texting 800-555-7898. You can call us on that number too. And the back half of the hour, we'll be talking about living undivided with Chuck Mingo and Troy Jackson. Well, my very first question for uh, Dr. Michael Rydelnik this morning really doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. But I just want to know that you're warm, that you have not been frozen into like a solid human popsicle here. Because <laughs> we heard from a listener of the Chicago area who said it was like 30 degrees below zero there this morning. Well, that's the wind chill. It's the wind chill. Oh, with so wind chill. yeah. The, it's actually 10 below. It's oh. not bad. It's 10 below. Yeah, that's still pretty yes, awful. Sir, that would be defined as bad. I think that's the result of the fall. I think that is, oh, is this cold, this weather, the effect of sin, Michael? Uh, apparently the polar vortex, uh, which is a term till about five years ago, I never heard. Did yeah. you, I mean, I've had cold days before, but never called it the polar vortex. But mm. I love that. Yeah, it, something about those patterns and how it locks in and swirls. I don't know. I just know if I hear that term, we're all in for some cold weather. Cold now, weather. 30 years ago, I started teaching at Moody in January of, of 1994, uh, which is, you know, January 10th was my 30th anniversary of my first class. Yay. Wow. About Congrats. two weeks in, I think it was about two weeks in, uh, we had one of these cold snaps. Yep. And it was 27 below. Mm. Yep. Not a wind chill. It was yeah. actually 27 below in our backyard. Yep. And uh, what we did is we went and got bubbles, and we blew bubbles on the deck because <laughs> they froze instantly. Yeah. It was cool. yeah. We also threw water in a pot into the sky, and it crystallized instantly. That was fun. Yeah. Cool and to watch that. Happy and and think it's fun to have cold weather. Now, Michael, back then, those were the days where the female students had to wear dresses or skirts to class. Yeah, we got special dispensation. I remember then. that. I was a student then, and I remember that they said, for this period of time only, ladies, yeah. you can wear pants to class. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I would have been like, okay, dudes, either you put on skirts yeah. or we get to wear some pants here. That is cold. Yes. Very yeah. cold. The dress code has changed dramatically in the 30 years I've been at Booty. So, yeah. Well, enough of the weather here. Let's get into the, uh, some Bible questions this morning. Again, if you have a Bible question, 800 555 7898. Got a question from uh, a younger listener, seven years old. And she asked this question, why would God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden? If he knows everything and he knows humans are going to eat of that tree, why would he put it there? Mm -hmm. Well, that really comes down to why did God give Adam and Eve a choice to obey him, right? Mm -hmm. That's really the question. It could have been anything. It could have been another. Uh, it could have been a different kind of test, but it was that was it. Uh, humanity, if if God had not put it there, so if there had been no test, if there had no been no possibility, then we would have just been like computers that we program, and you can't have a a relationship with a computer. Uh, you can't have engage in a love relationship with a computer. And God wanted a relationship with humanity. And 
with you and with me and with with seven year old kids. And so that test was there to see if we would obey him out of love rather than just be programmed to always do what he says, uh, only giving opportunity to do what is good. So I think that's it. It's because God wanted to engage in a genuine love relationship like like this seven-year-old has with her parents. Every day she has a choice to obey them out of love or disobey them, uh, and they still love her, but it is a way of, it's it's her choice about how she's going to obey them, or his choice. I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but do you understand what I mean? It's it, it, when we have choice, then then we actually have a a relationship with someone. We're acting out of love when we obey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah, it's a genuine demonstration of love. Then when we choose obedience, yeah, I. I know that uh, some one of my kids has, when we've talked about that, asked the question like, but if God knew we were going to do it, isn't yeah. there a way he could have stopped it? But as you say, he wants that and, love relationship. And the mystery of God's sovereignty, knowing the beginning from the end, and also humanity having freedom to choose, that is a mystery that is beyond my pay grade to understand. I just don't yeah. don't understand it. It's a mystery that I accept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where it boils, boils down to, isn't it? Even as adults, we're going to revisit that question over and over again as to whether or not we're just going to accept the fact that God is sovereign and we are not, and he's given us this free will, and he yeah. has things that he's planned in advance before eternity for us to do, and all of that, how it works together. I, I think either we'll have complete peace the moment we walk into heaven, or he'll explain it to us. There's scholars who say that they can explain it, I'm not one of them. I, I have yet to hear <laughs> one of them be able to explain. Yeah. Like I heard it, but I didn't understand it. So right, there's. <laughs> I think to me, part of that is just faith. Just faith, knowing God is God, and I am not. He's given us His whole Word to study, to discuss, and that's what we love to do with Dr. Michael Rydelnik. Do you have a question? It's time to get that in. You can text eight hundred. 555-7898. Use that same phone number and give us a call this morning. Don and Steve. Monday, Monday means, means Dr. Dr. Michael, Michael. Rydelnik joining us. And questions about the Bible, 800-555-7898. Casey Joe, you're in Louisville, and you have this question for Dr. Rydelnik. In the midst of hearing your leadership team at church question whether to or not to let LGBTQ folks become part of their leadership team, participate in teaching at the church. Pastor's response right now is, well, I too have sinned. It just may not be as apparent. Can you please provide biblical insight into this? Well, uh, first of all, uh, LGBTQ is uh, definitely a sin. I'm glad that at least the pastor recognized that it's a lifestyle sin. It's it's not just uh, it's not where someone has fallen. It's talking about people who have embraced this lifestyle and say that they think it's right. And Romans one describes and and I, I stick to the New Testament because other people say, well, we're not under the law of Moses anymore. Well, Romans one says that God delivered them over in the cravings of their hearts to sexual impurity, uh, and uh, they they actually 
exchanged uh, themselves. God delivered them over to degrading passions, for even their females exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. Males in the same way also left natural relations with females and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Males committed shameless acts with males. So what it's it's saying there, Paul says, that that was obviously sinful and people going over to it in disobedience and rebellion against God. But what I would say in terms of what the church has to do is it, it talks about uh, church discipline in 1 Corinthians 5. It says, I wrote that you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. I did not mean the immoral people of the world or the greedy or the swindlers or the idolaters. Otherwise, you would have to leave the world. But I'm writing to you not to associate in the church, is what he's talking about, with anyone who claims to be a believer who is sexually immoral. Uh, don't even eat with such a person. So Paul is saying that those who are actively engaged in sexual immorality, which is what he categorizes uh, LGBTQ as, if a person is actively engaged in that as a lifestyle without repentance, what is what should our attitude be? Uh, dissociation, not putting them into leadership. Casey Joe, I hope that uh, helps answer your, your question this morning. and appreciate you texting in 800-555-7898. He'll be texting in from the Chicago area this morning asking uh, Dr. Rydelnik, why is a blood sacrifice necessary for the remission of sins? Well, when you go back to uh, Leviticus 17, which talks about blood sacrifices, it says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And uh, the verse is Leviticus 17, 11, uh, for the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have appointed it to you to make atonement on the altar for your lives, since it is the lifeblood that makes atonement. What Basically what this is, is that it's life for life, that we should shed our blood for sin. So in the Old Testament, it was established that the animal shed its life, its blood, for our sins. It was a substitution. Uh, so it's what we ought to have given for our sins was blood, and therefore blood had to be shed. And that's why Messiah ultimately is the fulfillment because it's life for life. He gave his life for everyone. Those those uh, animal sacrifices were just placeholders. Uh, they didn't really take away sin. It's only the blood of the Messiah who would do that. Mm -hmm. Just the picture of the things that would be to come through Jesus. And of course, he came and fulfilled the law. I just love that picture. And the more you study the law, the more thankful you are that he came to fulfill it. It was yeah. a lot. That law, yeah. whew, that was something. It, and it was, it is, you know, a lot of people uh, complain about the law. I don't think you're complaining, but a lot of people do. But Paul says the, the law was holy, just, and good. The real problem wasn't the law. It was me. Well, sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Knowing that we can't, we cannot uphold the law. And so Christ came to fulfill the law. Yeah. And it's interesting. Uh, this great Old Testament scholar, John Salhammer, pointed out that every time there was a significant sin, they had the, the Torah 
reveals a whole body of law. And then there's another sin, and then another body of law. And the and if you read the Pentateuch, the Torah, you'll see that the law was added because of transgression. Every time we thought of a new thing to disobey God about, okay, here's more laws to, <laughs> yep. to restrain us. It's, it is kind of funny. It's just like a kid once came to visit my son, and they we went out to the back tell him it was time to go home, and uh, he had dug up our patio, oh, every wow. brick. And uh, Eva said to him, you dug up our patio. He said, you didn't tell me not to. And uh, he had piled all the bricks. We told his dad, you know, Dave, he, he dug up our, our patio. And his dad said, did you tell him not to? <gasps> really? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then every time David came over, we would like, okay, don't swing the swing above the swing in the backyard, above the top of the swing. Don't dig up the the anchors for the swing set. Don't break the door into the garage. We thought we looked around and thought, what damage can be done? And we, we law was added because of transgression. Yeah. Same idea. Yeah. Wow. Well, appreciate the uh, questions that have been uh, texted in this morning and unfortunately not able to get to all of them, but we'll hold on to them for next week as Dr. Michael Rydelnik joins us just about every week to take your questions about the Bible He's the host of Open Line, professor and dean at Moody Bible Institute, and joins us most Mondays. So if you have a Bible question that pops up, jot it down, save it for Monday, and hope you'll uh, call or text in next week. Well, we're glad that you're with us on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and this is a day where certainly you're going to hear something about racial tension and reconciliation, may even hear some news clips going back to the I Have a Dream speech. Uh, it's a conversation that we seem to have in cycles. Anytime there's something that happens in the news headlines where there's racial tension, we talk about reconciliation and how can that happen. But I'm wondering, can we ever get this ball moving down the field in a way that really is substantive? and seems to stick. And joining us to talk a little bit about that this morning, Chuck Mingo, Troy Jackson, co-authors of Living Undivided. Guys, welcome. It's good to have you with us here. And Chuck, I'm going to start with you. As we continue to have the racial conversation happening, what seems to me in these cycle things, what can we do to have a, the, propel the conversation forward so that we don't have, to have the same one over and over and over again? Steve, it's a great question. And part of that for me is the shift that needs to happen, and particularly of people of faith, of instead of seeing this as an issue we respond to, seeing this as a spiritual formation opportunity and not waiting for the event to happen for us to have the conversation and do the work for racial healing, solidarity, and justice. All right. So, Chuck, what do you mean by the um, the the ongoing conversation? What do you mean by that? I lost the word. You said it. I had it in my head. That social, the 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 cyclical spiritual formation. There, spiritual formation. Okay. That's it. Thank you. It's totally yeah. gone. Clearly, I, it's a Monday <laughs> for me. Hey, I get it. I get it, Dawn. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it boils down to what you know. In many terms, we would call discipleship, right? Like, you know, if you think about what is the what is the chief commandment that we have? It's to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And so, if we see that as not a one time, I get it intellectually, but how do I live that out in my life? And then, how do I live that out in society? I think that this conversation around racial healing and justice is a part of that great commandment. Mm. 
Troy, I see you nodding your head like, yes, I agree with everything that Chuck is saying here. And so how would you like to see, and I'll, I'll talk about the kind of church that I grew up in, you know, the white evangelical suburban church engage in this discipleship process well? Yeah, I think it is discipleship, and it does start in our local church, viewing how do we engage in a way that honors Jesus and is biblical in some of the biggest challenges of the day. We have, unfortunately, too many churches have avoided giving people the tools and training and even biblical grounding to have great, not only conversations, but relationships and unity across racial difference and other differences. And I think it's a great opportunity. And the other thing I would say in terms of how do we move the ball forward is sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the things that are out there, uh, things going on at the federal level. Start local. Start with some relationships around you. Build some relationships with a congregation that's different or seek out some relationships and not only have conversations, but do some work together in the community and we can see where we align and also sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. I was just talking to a friend today about this very subject when it comes to not even realizing that you have a prejudice towards someone of a different skin color or even a different ethnicity. And Chuck, as you have navigated this life as an adult, what do you say to somebody who goes, I, I don't think I have a racial prejudice, but then their behavior indicates that maybe they do. You know, I think the thing to do is to invite that person into relationship, you know? Now, I can't do that with everybody who might make that conversation to me, but I do think that once I'm in relationship, um, it helps me, it helps reveal maybe my blind spots. I always jokingly say it this way. I've been married for 21 years, and my wife and I are in a cross-racial relationship. She's Latino, she's Puerto Rican, I'm African-American. Take, the, take our races out of it. Just the reality of being married to a woman as a man means that I am in the most diverse relationship you can imagine. I could not be more different than my wife. And yet there is a call for us to pursue unity in relationship together. And so what I would say is anybody who wants to move forward when it comes to racial relationships, man, get, get in a cross-cultural relationship. And if you're open to learning and listening, you'll notice things that you probably didn't notice before. And at minimum, you will build on a great relationship. That's one of the things that I appreciate about Troy is how over the years of our friendship, he has called me continually into relationship with him, but also up to being the kind of leader and the kind of man that God has called me to be. So good. Uh, Chuck uh, Mingo, Troy Jackson with us this morning, talking about living undivided. And we're going to come back in just a few minutes, continue this conversation with the two of them. You can certainly join the conversation by calling or texting in this morning, 800-555-7898. Don and Steve in the morning on Moody Radio. Talking about being undivided, living undivided in our relationships. And we have Chuck Mingo and Troy Jackson helping us with that conversation. Living undivided, loving courageously for racial healing and justice, the name of the book. Troy, what would it look like, truly look like for our nation as a whole to live in this way? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Uh it, it calls to mind to me the words of the prophets who were often in the midst of brokenness, but painted visions for the world as it ought to be. Uh, I think it would, first of all, require, and maybe most importantly, require a church 
that looked like Jesus' prayer in John 17. It's not going to happen until we are unified. And of all the things that break God's heart, I have to think near the top when it when he when God looks at the church, not only in the United States but around the world, is how divided we are over things that have nothing to do with Jesus. Uh, and it is, I think, the way forward is for the church to live undivided. And part of why we're excited about this book is Chuck and I through the work of our organization Undivided, we're practitioners. We're working with churches and organizations around the country to give them the tools to be in deep, authentic relationship where they can truly grow together and move toward that John 17 prayer that we would be one that the world would know Jesus is God's son. Troy, I'm glad you brought up the fact that you guys do work towards this. I mean, this is your passion, and you're not just talking about it. There's action behind the words as well. And so, Chuck, this uh, undivided organization, what are the resources, the training, the things for churches who are curious and say, we want to grow in this area? What do you, uh, what do you provide? How do you help? Yeah, absolutely. And, and people can learn more about our organization at undivided.us. And what we have built is really a seven-week experience that takes people on a journey around faith grounding and understanding our history, and then what I would call getting a sanctified imagination around race. We've had over 10,000 people experience the Living Undivided journey. It's two weeks. We do it virtually mostly, but we can do it in person. And we've seen in places like Chicago and Cincinnati and in Detroit and in Traverse City, Michigan, followers of Jesus kind of getting engaged in their local context to do the work of racial healing and justice in some tangible ways, like expanding quality preschool for kids in an entire county. So there's some really tangible things that come from this experience. We also do workshops and um, consult with churches and organizations who really say, hey, we want to live this out in a powerful way. We want to be unified within our walls. We also want to show up as the church of Jesus for racial healing and justice beyond our walls. That's what Undivided is all about. Yeah, so it's great. And with intentionality and purpose, giving tools to churches and ultimately believers, because that's where it starts. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. We got to get these things right so that we can share them with the world. Troy, why was this important? How did you and Chuck meet? What, how did the Lord give you guys this vision? Yeah, I mean, there's each of us have a whole chapter in the book about our journeys, individual stories. But we met back in 2014 uh, in December I had just been in Ferguson, uh, Missouri, if you remember back in 2014, after the death of Michael Brown and all the intensity there. And I started asking Chuck, and I'm a white guy, uh, and asking Chuck some deep questions about how's he feeling about the world and what's going on in Ferguson and around our country, the racial reckoning. And Chuck did not know me from anyone and was, was very careful in his comments until at some point... There was enough vulnerability there that we said, you know what, we can, let's take some risks and actually share how we're feeling, not be guarded. And that sparked a friendship. Chuck invited me into a team that built Undivided. We spent a year almost building this experience that we launched in 2016 at Crossroads Church and now in 2021 around the world. And then I invited Chuck into some of the work we were doing for preschool education in the community. Uh, and we partnered together on both sides and have been journeying together over, gosh, It'll be 10 years at the end of this year, Chuck, of our friendship. Wow, that's a big, cool story. Um, Chuck, the, the last moment or two that we have left here, I, I want you to talk to the person who says, all right, I want to engage in the conversation, but I'm worried I'm going to offend. 
I don't know how to have this conversation in a way that feels safe. Absolutely. What we talk about a lot is courageous love, and they'll hear about that in the book. And what I would say is come join a community of people where we're learning and journeying together. You don't have to do this alone. So if you're feeling that call, you're feeling that tug, connect with us at undivided.us. We'd love to be partners with you on the journey because I believe that there's a place for you to come alive in this work of racial healing and justice. So join us. Well, we want to connect you with uh, Troy and with Chuck and with this book, Living Undivided, as well as the Undivided Organization. So hit our Facebook page, Don Steve in the Morning, and you're going to find the link right there to what you need to get connected here. Guys, we so appreciate your time this morning and joining us and having the conversation.